Hi, this is Nancy Herald, and welcome to my show, High Road to Humanity. In every episode, I tell you powerful true stories filled with great wisdom that you can use in your own life as you strive for a higher road to travel. My featured guests will have their own unique stories to tell that enlighten your mind and your soul. So kick back, relax, and learn the secret to success when you take the high road. Hi, this is Nancy Urell, and welcome to High Road to Humanity. And I have a wonderful gentleman here today. His name is Will Young, and he's written a really cool book. It's called The Unlikely Felon. And welcome to High Road to Humanity, Will. Yeah, great to be here. Thank you so much. Now, I know you go by Will or William. Uh, Will, uh, my grandma called me William. All the way. Did she? <laughs> or Billy. Or Billy. Billy, too, but Will. Oh, God bless. All right. Well, that's, <laughs> I'll go with Will if that's okay. I want to tell you guys, sit back and relax for a minute. Let me tell you what we're going to be talking about today. This is a really serious subject, actually. Um, so this is a memoir that he's written. Um, and this is why he says, imagine you're taking care of a loved one late in your life, dedicating years of your own life to do it. Then Thus began the journey of a spiral spiraled into a nightmare for Will and Kay Young. Will's grandparents needed elder care. Okay. So this ambitious couple decided to take the responsibility on while also raising young children of their own and pursuing grand entrepreneurial goals. Then a knock at the door on a cold day in February, 2011. And it happened today. February 9th, 2011, the day we're doing this podcast, 12 years ago today, there was no courier service delivering a package. This was the police. Many of them instantly swarmed their home. In mere moments, their lives shattered into a billion pieces. And Bill's here to tell the story today. And uh, it's it's quite a moving story. So we're going to listen to what he has to say. Now, let me give you a little info about him. He's a dynamic motivator, obviously an author and a public speaker who delivers keynotes throughout the world. His books, plays, and scripts and short stories are about real-life events that move, challenge, and inspire people of all ages. Now, he's uh, in Denver. He's got a Denver business. He's been uh, named, I should say this, to different awards in Denver uh, through the Denver Business Journal. Uh, he's got... Uh, he's has a uh, Explore Net is a company that he has right now, and it's a fast-growing, privately-held owned company in Colorado. Um, he started it in the 2000s. He's quite the entrepreneur. So, um, you know, I read this, and you're just like every other family, you know, um, you talk about how you grew up, and do you want to start there? Because you grew up kind of rough. Yeah, yeah, I think, well, like a lot of uh, I think a lot of kids, if you have a single mom, a single parent, you're mm -hmm. dealing with all kinds of different issues, right? You've you've got somebody who's trying to make ends meet, trying to figure yeah. out kind of their own life. Um, mm -hmm. She struggled with all kinds of issues, mental illness under that umbrella, and oh, wow. just all kinds of things going on. And you're you're trying to in our society, we're always pushed to become wealthy, to become successful, to to make something of your life. And especially if you don't have all the cards lined up, you don't, you didn't, weren't born in the right place. You weren't born wealthy. You have this sometimes for me, 
it was an overwhelming obsession to become successful and to become wealthy. And, and that, as we'll talk about this, that got me in some trouble um, through this whole process. Yeah. You wanted to be a billionaire. Yes. Yes. You <laughs> yeah. said early on, like when you were a kid, you're like, I want to be a billionaire. Yeah. I, went, I was in college with my, my college roommate. I, back in the days with three by five cards. I mean, now you have your phone to <laughs> you can type stuff in, but I, I took these three by five cards and I, put my goals down. And one of yeah. them was to become a billionaire. And my college roommate, he, he literally said, you know, well, I, this is great, but isn't there more to life? Isn't there more things that are more important at, at the yeah. time? I just kind of looked at him and said, no, this is where I'm going. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the so. three by five cards I still use, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> I use them for my affirmations every day. So it's not exactly. such an old thing. Oh my gosh. Well, so you're growing up and your parents, okay. So your mom and dad were divorced and mm -hmm. at you but you had um wonderful grandparents talk about oh this. incredible incredible there and there were times where i mean there weren't a lot of club sports like there is today but yeah. one club sport i played was baseball and okay. i never knew until later on that they were paying for a lot of the things because you're you're a little kid right you're between oh, right. seven and 12 years old you have no idea how like like my kids <laughs> at times they have no idea how things get paid for or or how much it is or whatever. Right. They were fantastic. They were incredible. My grandma would just constantly be telling me, you, you're a great kid. It's happening in your life. You're a great kid. You can do incredible things. And, and, and looking around other people saying how negative their life was or how depressed or how things weren't going to work out. My grandparents were just constantly saying, you can do it. You can you do can it. Do now, I'm curious, what at one point you go to live with them. How old were you when you went to live with them? Actually, we, um, it was kind of on the weekends. It was okay. uh, on and off thing. So, okay. um, so you never went to, you never went and stayed with them. Time. Okay. Time. Okay. All right. I wondered that. So you're 16 years old. Let's back up. I want to <laughs> rewind a little bit because yeah. you've had quite the life. You're 16. You meet your wife, Kay, at 16. Middle school. The first time, yes, middle school. Yeah. Uh, we were actually 12. Well, tell that part of the story. <laughs> tell that part yes. of the story. So, uh, I, um, God, she was just this incredible angel. And I know you, we have the same spiritual kind of thoughts and connections, but angels come into your life. Yeah. And sometimes you don't, you just don't, you have no idea what's going to happen. Um, and she actually pursued me. And she was this beautiful, beautiful, strawberry, blonde, red, gorgeous girl. And I just was this clueless goofy boy who didn't who <laughs> want to play sports and all I knew was sports yeah and we started we started dating and we just became great friends and then I got into high school and um found ourselves I was 15 and she was 16 we found ourselves pregnant yeah and um it was a crazy time I mean there were no uh um, nurseries and programs for people it was she actually mm -hmm. got shipped off to another kind of a faraway place another state and I was left to kind of figure out what am I going to do? What, the, what, the, what is this about? And people were pushing for to have an abortion and all these different things. And, wow. and thank God uh, I, to this day that we didn't do that. She had the baby um, to Colorado and we started living our lives, which was kind of bizarre. <laughs> you could think of the emotional trauma that, yeah. that brings on, but yeah, that right. was that was our, our 16 year, uh, 16, 16 to 17 years. But, yeah. yeah. But you ended up getting married. We did. We, uh, we I started, love it. Uh, 
It's so romantic. I mean, and in the book, I thought it was so nice how you say how beautiful your wife was and is and how wonderful a relationship. And, you know, you describe her and it just was like, wow, this guy just loves his wife. You're so happy. (laughs) So here you are. I mean, you're just a really happy couple. I mean, and then you had more kids after that. We did. Yeah, we were married for about 10 years and um, actually had a a little girl and decided we were going to try to find uh, the girl we had given up for adoption, and we found her. Um, she was in in Florida. Her parents were fantastic. They were so happy to to connect with us. And so we had these two wow. girls in our lives, eighteen, whatever it was. It was eighteen years apart at the time. Wow. Um, yeah, it was it was fantastic. That's really cool. Well, let's get to what happened um, during this time. Your dad gets sick. You go through. You talk about that. You go through a lot of traumatic stuff, but through it all, you're trying to start a business <laughs> yeah. and grandma and grandpa are, are helping you. Yeah, absolutely. Talk about this. How did you, and this is because we need to get to the part of what really happened here on February 9th, 2011. So through this whole thing, you're trying to start businesses. Grandma and grandpa are kind of helping you talk about what happened, how I just was trying to figure out how did you become like their caretaker, I guess. Yeah, it was, well, it was interesting because we had, even going back, you mentioned when I was a child, but even in my 20s and 30s, we had this really unique relationship and we were almost like right. best friends. Like we could go to the bar and hang out and you, you normally wouldn't do that with your, most people maybe not don't do that with their grandparents, but yeah. we just had this really cool relationship and we could talk about anything. Right. And as they hit, they were in really good health, um, 75, 80, and then they started hitting mid to you know, mid eight, mid eighties, late eighties, heading towards ninety, and all of a sudden they started to decline. Right. And for Kay and I, it was like we didn't second thought thought about it. We we were so close to them, and we were starting to realize they needed us more than ever now. Right. Um, and of course, it was it was frustrating, and you're sad because they're not the person they were. They were this right. dynamic, physically able to to do everything, mentally sharp, and all of a sudden that just starts to to go down. So we, we just started making sacrifices and said, let's, let's figure this out. And I had no idea what the hell I was doing, but I yeah. was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure this out. So. Right. So your mom, this was your mother's parents. No, my dad's actually. Okay. So your dad wasn't in a position. He was ill himself. He had cancer. Correct. And so he, and did he, and so did he pass before they started to deteriorate or was that after? That? Yeah, he did actually. He, uh, it was, okay about too late 2008 and 2009 and he actually he was getting worse and worse as most people know as you're you're going through those final stages he actually committed suicide yeah. um he he to speed up the process he always said you know well i don't want to die with my boots off i want my boots on he was kind of an old cowboy kind of thing and oh, uh, he, he did and, and so that's what he chose to do that's what he, you've been through a lot so here you are so you're left now were you the only you had siblings, right? Did anybody else? Okay. You had a sister, younger sister. Okay. Did, was she in town? Could she help take care of grandma and grandpa? She she was, but she was, she had, she had a child. She was working newly married. She had so many things going on. She helped with whatever she could. I mean, we kind of tag team where we could to to get things done for them. Right. This whole thing is interesting to me because it really, I want the audience, I'm going to preface this. You were doing what you felt was the best thing to take care of grandma and grandpa. They had a house. 
you had to sell the house. I mean, and you didn't put them in like care, a, a, a home or anything right away. You waited. Talk yes, about we, this. Yeah, Talk we, about this. Well, I, and I had no idea. There's millions and millions of people that are, are going to become caregivers, are caregivers right now. And, and it's kind of a, it's almost a hidden secret. Nobody, friends at, at lunch or dinner, hey, by the way, I'm a caregiver and it's, it's mm-hmm. a lot of work and I'm exhausted and it's, it's difficult, but you know, that's, that's the stage, the situation that we were in. And we wanted to keep right. them in their home as long as we could. And right. I think that's what you hear over and over, right? Is how do we keep somebody in their environment, what they're used to, and especially with dementia. And I've, I've learned so much about this since then. I, you know, I, I didn't know what the, what I was doing, but you want to, you want to keep them in that environment as long as you can. And so mm-hmm. we would, we were, but we were coming over different times of the night, every day, trying to figure it out because they were, they were falling, they were forgetting things. They were, they weren't eating correctly. There was just so much going on. It was, it was right. a little traumatic. I went through this with my parents too, and they're both gone now. So I know exactly what you're talking about. And we brought in, and I think that's why there's a lot of people that bring in um, care to the home. Like you said, I, I wanted to reiterate that my mom and dad wanted to stay in their house too. And I, I feel the same way. I, I would prefer to stay in my house as I get older. And I think most people would. So you did that for a long time. And then what happened? Well, it just got to the point where, um, in fact, I think if I remember right, my grandfather might've fallen okay. and broke a rib. And so, and my grand, and you gotta think, my grandpa was an electrician for 40 years. He was climbing oh my gosh. stuff and buildings and just this incredibly yeah. kind um, gentleman who was in great shape. And now He's falling almost to the drop of a hat. At the same time, my my grandma's dementia was getting just worse. And she, I could see that she was hardly remembering me. And and it, that look on her face, she would still remember me, but it was, it just wasn't there anymore. And so we decided to put them in assisted living. And and the thing is, I think a lot of people, and I was this way too, you put somebody in assisted living, you think, oh, problems are gone. Somebody else will help. Somebody else will figure this out. That's not how it works out a lot of times, especially when you have two people at the same time. You're still responsible for all their doctor's appointments and their laundry and what they're eating and their doctors just and what's their medication. They're st- you're still wow. responsible for everything in their life. And they still have the house too, right? So their day-to-day, all those things that we do on a day-to-day um, basis, we still had to figure out. So we thought it was a solution, but it, it really it, it wasn't for us. So they go into the assisted living and at in the meantime, or I guess I'm kind of a little out of sequence. I know your dad lived in their house for a little bit. And then you said, I need to, he was smoking in the house and everything. And you're like, <laughs> I need to, you know, get the house back in order. So then you sold their house to help. And is I, that, was that to help pay for the, the assisted living? I would imagine. Yes, part of it. Yes, exactly. I took about six months and you can imagine they lived there for, I think it was, at the time was maybe 49, 50 years imagine all the stuff they had it so it, it was a six-month project just getting everything ready and and one of the mistakes I made and this is something that um, again got me in trouble later is as a power of attorney you cannot sell someone's house you have to be a realtor I didn't know that so I did everything myself um, got oh got yeah I'm a real estate broker <laughs> oh so you know <laughs> Yeah, you have to own it to sell it, or you can't sell it, or you have to have power of attorney. Well, let's talk about this, because now we're going to get into what happened on February uh, 9th in 2011. They had a will, I would imagine. 
And the problem was it hadn't been updated for, gosh, I can't remember now, but probably five or six years before that. Right. They were still very coherent. Right. So, so grandma and grandpa told you everything they wanted you to do. You said, okay, you knew what their wishes were. Talk what happened on February 9th. Talk about this. Yeah. So you could imagine your, your surprise when, now if somebody's out, it, let me give some context, right? If somebody's committing crimes and doing all kinds of illegal things and the police show up at their house, probably not a surprise, but that wasn't us. I mean, my, my, my life of crime before this was some speeding tickets. I got an open yeah. container, I think when I was 20. So that wasn't yeah. the case. So here they are, the police are at our house and I'm thinking there's a dog hurt. Um, something's happened to my neighbor, maybe a car accident. Absolutely no idea. When they came in, I even thought maybe Kay was having some affair with some. Oh my guy. gosh. Was, oh was, my God. I mean, you, you start because they're, you're, you're, this is happening, right? So right. they just you know, bust in. They just they, bust in. They, they knocked on the door. We started to open the door and they just came right in. Now they didn't, they didn't hurt us. They just, they grabbed us and they were like, this is a search. And I literally, there was a, at the time there was a family around the corner and I swore their one of their younger sons was selling drugs. I didn't know that for sure, but I, I oh thought that. So I thought, I go, you have the wrong house. Oh, yeah. the corner. <laughs> and they're looking at me like, no, we we got the right house. We, we oh you're uh, William and this is this Kane. So, anyways, it uh, yeah, that's that started our morning off. <laughs> what were they looking for? Did you ask them what they were looking for? I did, and they never really answered. I, I think as I looked back on it they were trying to build a case and they were looking if I was doing all kinds of illegal things. Like, was I growing marijuana? Was I selling drugs? Did I have, was I running side businesses of cash? I could, you know, as I look back on it, I think that's what they were doing. They also wanted all the financial documents from the estate and myself and, and Kay as to what we had, the money. What you were made. doing. Yeah, no, um, let's rewind. What prompted this? Why would they do this? What prompted so we this? Had, we had uh, some step relatives who um, actually were connected to, so my, my grandfather, my grandmother was there, her third marriage, his second, a long time ago. They've been married for a long time, but okay. um, he had a, a daughter from that marriage. And ironically, we were very good friends with them. Um, and then as they started to deteriorate and we started to take things over, they basically gave us free will to do what we wanted to do, to manage the estate, to manage them. Um, they're in another state. They were, you know, a three or four hour plane, okay. uh, plane flight away. And so um, what had happened as my grandfather had passed away, they brought in estate lawyers, they brought in all, all of these legal consultants to say that um, basically, we know we told you that you could use the money, but we've kind of changed our mind because we want the money back or we want to split it a certain way. Well, we had been using the money for three years, three or four years at the time. And what were you using it for? We were using it uh, to take care of them as well as ourselves. So okay. we had just gone through the crisis, you know, the meltdown of, of 2008, the whole real estate meltdown, all the things mm -hmm. that happened. And so we were just keeping our head above water and we felt that we could legally and working with them use the money. Okay. How much money are we talking about? Uh, it was about anywhere. Well, there was different things that were said, but anywhere from about 140,000 to 200,000. Okay. So the, the distant relative hires attorneys and says, we want part of this money. 
and they're exactly. using it and we want to know what's going on. So these attorneys prompt the courts. Do they have that kind of? Well, the police and they said that we believe uh, Will and Kay have done illegal things here. Oh. Um, and so they the police open an investigation. <laughs> it was actually, well, it was actually in a county in our area that's very uh, pro against elderly crime. And so they tried to fit us into this elderly crime thing that never really, it just, it just never really came across that way. Oh uh, my but that's gosh. what they were trying to do. So they come in, then or do they arrest you or do they, what happens? Interestingly, they didn't. And I had asked several times during the whole process. So what happens, I've only seen this in the movies when somebody does a story. I know, this is just bizarre. This is crazy because this could happen. Here's the thing, Will, and I'm really glad you came on the show today. And let me just stop for a second. Um, hold up your book. Show them your oh, book. You. you wrote this while you were in prison, in jail. Started yes. it, yeah. Started yeah. The, the unlikely felon, yeah. This could happen to anybody. It could. It really could. I think um, depending on who you are, what you're trying to do, absolutely. You can make mistakes that are legal issues for sure. Well, yeah. And, and there will. I mean, it just didn't. Did, who was the executor? Were you the executor? I was. I was. I was the. So even though you were the executor of the will, this happened. This went on. All right. Tell the audience what happened. So then um, they, I, I basically I talked to my attorney. I had a business attorney and he said, you're going to need to get a Oh, well, let me take a step back. So they were here for about five hours in my house, searching, boxing things up. They took a, a bunch of things out. Um, they let me, then I said, can I call my attorney? I don't know what else to do. So, right. so I, I called my business attorney and he was, he was great. He really relaxed me. He, he was like, listen, it's going to be okay. I know somebody who's a defense attorney. You're, mm -hmm. I'm going to call them, tell them the situation when they leave, or if they, if they do arrest you, um, we're going to figure this out. And so that, Cool. calm me down but yeah it was about they were here for about five or six hours and they never did tell me what they really wanted but they took a bunch of stuff out so okay so then you are what subpoenaed to court at this point oh, yes yeah. so so what happens then in, in these situations is uh my attorney's name was jeff but jeff says listen if they searched your house eventually they're probably going to charge you because there there's enough evidence there something and so but it took 18 months so for 18 months, they investigated, they went around, interviewed, you know, everybody we knew, business contacts, uh, everybody out there. And again, I think trying to trump up the charges, which is something they, they normally do. Mm -hmm. And after 18 months, they went ahead and issued an arrest warrant and they arrested us. Both of you? Yes. Both what of was us. the charge? Can I ask? Yeah, it was uh, one count of theft. What was the count of theft that you uh, with my with my estate with my grandparents' estate? They said that I had stolen. That you have stolen. So that's your poor wife. Oh, yeah, and she was and your kids. She, she was so. Luckily, my kids were little. They were, they were. Um, I want to say four and one at the time. Thank God uh, that they were little. But yeah, and, and Kay had been there. She had done way more caregiving than I had during all the time and she had sacrificed so much and she had actually cared for her mother before she died and she just had done so Gosh. much and so here we were yeah we're we're dealing with this was it in the media at all was it yeah. in the newspapers yeah it was in all the news stations oh um, my all, god in all the newspapers they came to my house all the 
local they, they oh, knocked on the no. door interviews. they interviewed all my neighbors they went oh around and, oh, <laughs> and so, i don't mean to laugh i'm just thinking no, oh my god and actually i it's it, when when you look back now it is it's it was hilarious because they made us out to be uh, bernie madoff we were we were stealing millions of dollars it was just the weirdest thing i don't know if it was a slow news week or what was going on we were the number one story at five o'clock news it was oh we my god for how long for how long uh, I well, think it was just a, a couple of days that, that that happened. No, I guess it was maybe a week. Yeah, maybe a week. So let me ask you this. So in the meantime, Grandpa passes before the trial. Grandpa passes, yes? Yeah, he had actually passed before the search. So he okay. had passed in the fall of 2010. That's right. Okay, you said that. I'm sorry. Yes, you're... And oh, then, okay. And then Grandma, she... When did she pass? Time-wise. So in assisted living for... She lasted another 14 months. Did she know what was going on at all? I don't think so. There was one moment where she looked at me and she said, um, just suddenly had this this look in her eyes like she was back for a minute and said, will you tell the truth? Everything will work out. And then she like, it, it was an instant. And then she, that was it. Back. She was isn't back that crazy? They say they do that. Isn't that crazy? And I, I swear to this day that that was because even when I was in court, all the things I, I kept that thought of her saying, you just tell, you tell your side kind of thing. So that was, so, but she lasts about 14 months. It had to have cost you quite a bit for attorneys. Yeah, I had, um, the, my goodness, my, my attorney had said, my business attorney had set me up with these two defense wow. attorneys and my wife and I had to have separate ones, which I didn't know you, you know, one attorney can't represent both. Oh my gosh. And actually the gentleman I had was well known in Denver. Um, he had, he had defended people, murder, murderers, and famous yeah. uh, people doing all kinds of things. And and so he was about a 35-year veteran. And, and he said, you know, in the end, we're probably going to plead on this right from the beginning. But he said, we'll, we'll figure out as we potentially go to trial because the courts are they're kind of stacked against you in a lot of these situations. And I didn't know anything about the, the legal system before this. I know a lot more about yeah. it now than I ever wanted to, but yeah. Yeah, so he he said to plead guilty that you is that because you didn't know that the will you had was not sufficient? I mean, why did he say to plead guilty? Because your well, gra he, grandma says tell the truth, but then I hate this. I don't like the I don't like <laughs> the whole system to be straight with you. But that's where I was a little confused when I was reading your book. I was like, Well, why did they have you do that? Well, I think that when you go into these situations and I've before this happened, I was like, well, if you're innocent, you fight to the end, you, you fight mm -hmm. for everything. And, but the, but the reality is we had broken some laws. And when you get into a court, especially prosecutors are very good at, it's the letter of the law and the jurors have to make decisions on that. Now, th now there's emotional situations, mm -hmm. but we were worried. The other thing he said too, is there's a reason that this particular County has a 97 or 98% conviction rate. Oh they don't gosh. go to trial. They don't go to trial. They and 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 it makes sense. We, they, we would have courthouses all over the place if everybody went to trial. It mm -hmm. worked. But if you go to trial and you like you pay, I probably would have had to do three to five years in prison. Um if you go to trial and lose. And it was it was a 50-50 kind of deal. Even even the situation comes down to what juror do you get that day? Yeah. Right? You go to trial, they pick the jury that morning. You we've all been to those situations where they're picking the jury I know. what jury are you going to get is it going to be is it going to be one that 
is going to look at you a certain way because of how you use the money. Uh, that's going to say you, they should throw the book at you. So all of these things came in and we had, we had emails. We didn't get things signed that we should have. That was a big mistake, but we did have emails. We had some witnesses, but we just didn't have a strong enough case to kind of roll the dice. Even though that. you had put them in assisted living, did you have the, obviously you had the bills from assisted living and we that did. kind we of had, thing. We had the bills, but we had used the money for our own, um, for our own needs as well. So that's yeah. why. So that's why. And Absolutely. it's, and it didn't state in the will that you were allowed to do that. They hadn't given you that. Specific. No, they hadn't, they hadn't, they hadn't updated it. We had talked about it and right. I kept saying, which I urge people now when I, Again, I don't, not giving legal advice. Right, me but, either. But, but, you know, get wills updated. Regularly. Regularly time, especially as you're getting older or you have health issues or whatever. Because I did so many things based on the promises I made that didn't fit um, with those legal, some of those legal documents. Was issues, there, so. Yeah, was there any money left by the time you went to court? There was, there was. Okay. Um, they. Uh, what they do with it? They took care of my grandmother with it. Actually, the, rel the step relatives actually took over the money. Here's the irony of the whole thing. And then they paid themselves for taking care of that Because they did it under the court's guidance. It was okay. It okay. I did it outside oh, of the yeah. court's guidance. I was a criminal. So Let's go to the end of the trial. And... The judge has you both stand up. I want you to tell the audience what happened. Mm, of course. Um, so we we actually ended up, we had a trial date set. And as you get closer to the trial, um, you're trying to negotiate with the prosecutor on the situation. Um, we were felt like, again, we had a good case, but we, were, we said, well, let's go ahead and plead because of all the things that our defense attorneys had said and the situation we're in. Plus you mentioned the money. Mm -hmm. We were, we knew if we went to trial, it was another $20,000 per attorney. It was another this, another that. Mm -hmm. So we went in and pled guilty. The nice thing that they did, I have to say, the prosecutors, when we did it um, the first time, actually there's a, a first time where you go and you plead, they, they told the media wrong date. So the media didn't show up that day. Oh, thank God. That gosh. was actually... A blessing. Yeah. A blessing. But then about a month later, you actually do the hearing where you get sentenced. All right. Okay. So it's about a month away. So you're, you're talking about the, the sentencing situation, which, of, and I I'll try not to get emotional. I do sometimes, but. Okay. Um, you're welcome all, to. All friends were there. All of our, we had 200, I think 250 people. Um, the pack, the, the courtroom was packed and um, it was our, our daughter. 16 had come back into our lives. She was actually living with us, which was right. so cool. And she's in the front row. She's crying. She's just emotional. She doesn't know what's going to happen. And judge, who actually was a very, I thought, a very good and kind judge, actually. The media's there. Every newspaper, there's, they, they didn't have cameras in there. The cameras were outside the door. But um, the judge wow. starts going through, and, and he's, he's like, listen, we need people that take care of their parents and their grandparents and, you know, he was, he was very, I want to say positive and, and forthright about that. But then he says, you know, here, here's the thing. You guys made all kinds of mistakes and I've got a lot of people watching, which he did. Yeah. And I've got to make sure that if somebody's in this situation, they don't make some of those mistakes. And so he did, he had to stand up and I just, 
stood up and, and I, I thought for a minute I was going to go to prison. And of course, I have no idea what this is or, or, or how this is going to work. But he gave me work release, six months of work release. And he gave Kay seven days in jail, which I thought was very interesting. It was seven days. Um, if you really stole $200,000, I don't know if you would get seven days. So he was being kind. In fact, he let us, he let her serve after I did and after Christmas so that she could be with the kids. Seven days was almost. Um, so that was, that was that moment of, here we go. I'm, I'm going to take the next step and next journey in my life. It was very spiritual. And I know you're, you're a very spiritual person. It was, hmm. it was amazing, actually. Um, amazing. So. so did so you went in so you when you're on work release what does that mean exactly yeah that's I had no idea this I'm like I don't know what that means explain so that what happens is in our system we're set up so that of course the jails are there's too many people and it's overcrowded but it's set up so that if somebody's not a potential danger to society right. they can actually serve at night and on the weekends and then during the day they can go to their job for me I got to come home because I have my I have my own business I work on. I got to come home during the day, go back at night. I actually only served 85 days because they have something called good good time or is it good time? I think it was. Uh, again, I had no idea how this worked, but yeah, I did. I ended up serving 85 days in, in work release. And you're actually put in a, it's almost like a college dorm type situation. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was put in with the very mild uh, people with DUIs and people with, I wasn't put in with uh, very, you know, hostile dangerous <laughs> with hostile people yeah but, that's but here's the here's the kicker you yeah. have to pay you have to pay a daily fee in oh. New York, and it's oh. based off of your income and so i had to pay the i had to pay the most per day i think it was 72 dollars per day to be in work release oh my god yeah, i just thought that was very interesting and so i saw a lot of these these men that were getting caught in the system it was their third time fourth time because they're just they're having to pay for this to try to keep a job and they were just caught in this cycle. So anyway, that was, that was one of the, the, uh, I guess, really dramatic issues that I got to see firsthand, but that's, that's work release. When did you decide to write this down to put this book together? Well, I started journaling and it, it gave me something to do on my, my bunk. Cause you're set up on these bunk beds. Yeah. Yeah. I would sit there and a lot of the people were watching TV, but I would sit there and I would just journal and journal. And I had, I had, had I had done journaling during all the situations so that I could look back on, I could actually look back at my notes mm -hmm. when I sold the house and all the things I did. And I just started putting this information together. And then it really hit me about three days after I got out of, of work release. I was working on a financial project. I was helping a company um, get started. And the gentleman called me and he said, you know, listen, Will, we, we can't have you be part of this. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, you're a felon with what we're doing. You can't be connected to this. And I literally got off the phone to Kay and I said, I'm going to write this book. I think there's going to be thousands and millions of people that are potentially going to be in this same issue. Mm -hmm. There's also lots of, I think lots of men in particular who don't understand the caregiving situation, or they're so consumed like I was for success and this wealth track that you end up you get messy. You make bad decisions. I was, I had made some bad decisions, yeah. bad choices. I really yeah. should have dug deeper. I should have thought through this better, but I was so consumed by that. And I said, what if I write a book where a guy like me, an average Joe, probably as average as maybe you can get says, listen, 
this can happen and here's how I got here. And and I and I wanted to write the book to it in a in a way that um, I guess best described as entertaining. I don't know. Yeah, it was entertaining, by the way, I have to say. You're telling a horrible story, but at the same time, there's so many blessings that happen. There's so many great things. And I wanted to to focus on that as well. No, that's the big question. When did you realize all the blessings? (laughs) As I I like to say now, I'm um, I'm, I'm 51 (laughs) years old and it took me about 45 years to become a good husband, as I tell my (laughs) wife. Um, I'm still working on that, but I, I just... I was, I think when I was in work release, there were things that would, to would come up to me and go, Hey, I see you reading. Cause I, I bring in my success magazines and my, my spiritual things. I would, I, science of mind is one, I, all these different things. And they come up to me and say, how does that work? How do you start a business? What's success like? And I was, I was almost like doing clinics and talking to people, these guys that yeah. you know, that's where they were coming from, but um, right. it just, it started there. And then just little things were happening. And it was like, I can either focus, um, one of the, one of my favorite movies is Shawshank Redemption. And I, I talk about it in the book. I you do. Things. And I love when Andy says, get busy living or get busy dying. And I really, at the time you almost, I was almost leaning towards dying. And I had, there was so many issues of suicide for me through this whole thing, because you've lost everything you've built uh, over 25 years, your reputation, money, friends, everything. And you're sitting there going, now, now what do I do? How do I start over? And it get busy living or get busy dying. And I said, I got to get busy living. And so I just started, then the book helped. And they say, never write a book for therapy. <laughs> oh no, I think <laughs> it's great three, therapy. It's number three of the book <laughs> publishing world. Go to a conference and they say that, but you know, it's, um, for me, it was, it was almost there, yeah. therapeutic. And there were times I would write a, a chapter and I'd cry and I'd get emotional and all that good stuff. But yeah. and that was helping too. It was getting all getting this it stuff. out. You know, I'm gonna tell you that I journal every single morning. Yes. And I write to God, dear God, and I write to goddess, dear God and goddess. And I journal every single morning and I get it all out. So what you did was release all that anger, all that frustration, all the sadness, all the pent up aggression that you had, (laughs) man, it got out. Now, were you religious before? Are you religious now? Talk to me about this. I've never considered myself religious and I don't, I don't attend. Well, are you spiritual? Spiritual. That's to me. And and I, and I have a, there's a difference for me, a big difference, but I'm I'm a spiritual guy. I'm, I'm just like, I journal every morning. I'm actually creating a lot of content, I think for men, like over 45, over 40, nice. it's different than anything out there. I'm, I'm, I'm working on that, but cool. for me, it's a spiritual thing. It's a, uh, I know love is thrown around, but it's how can you, especially the way I was brought up to macho and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And it's like, no, no, no. Who I really want to be is somebody who who's loving and giving and kind. And, and for me, that's the spirituality and meditation. I got into meditation. I've never done that oh. before. Very cool. After all this happened, I've done now meditated probably every day for five or six years. It's been a while, but it's, and I, and I have things and I know I've, I've seen your podcast too, where you talk about being able to read people in the universe. I've had things happen now in my intuition and I predicted things that happened and Kay goes, see, you have it too. You have, you can, you, you have some. We all have it. We all have it. It's that meditation. It's, It's slowing down and relaxing. And so no, I'm not. I, I grew up. Uh, we were married in a Methodist church. Yeah, I, I I went to a lot of different religions. I had a lot of friends that were in Catholicism, 
Yeah. Uh, but no, I just, it, for me, it's, it's more of that spirituality and, and Perfect. how can I bring that out more? It's just nice to hear that you meditated and you connected with the divine. Cause that's what I tell everybody to do. And it makes, Absolutely. it changes your life. It really changes your life. And it's really interesting to see. So you did a 180. So now the money's Absolutely. not the most important thing to you anymore. No, no, exactly. And Isn't that interesting? Well, and that's been hard too. And I think um, in a lot of things, it's funny when you go through this, this type of trauma, and again, my trauma wasn't as bad as, I mean, there's people out there that have it, have had it way worse than me. I don't want to ever come across that, you know, this, I mean, I had to do some work release. I mean, thank right. God it wasn't my child that was dying of cancer or I lost my legs or whatever. I mean, but at the same time, you go through all of this trauma, all of this pain, and you try to figure out how do I build a great life again um, after all this? And, and I still, I deal with, I'll see an old friend, an old business associate, and they treat me completely different. And like, almost like, you know, get away from me. Oh my gosh. Isn't yeah. that sad how and, people and that, are? That is a hard one on your ego. I mean, that is, because yeah. that, that's the other thing too. You When you go through all this stuff and you build business, you, you know, you're an entrepreneur. When you go through all this stuff, you get some chips on your shoulder. I, I think uh, Bon Jovi talks about how the scars can fade, but I, I think you you get these chips on your shoulder and you build this ego because you got to make it. I mean, I was raising money. I was doing different things. And then you find in the end, it doesn't benefit you at all. It's, right. it's more of a drawback. And so I'm almost like a recovering egomaniac. I, guess. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and I've gotten over, like I was, I had drinking problems. I had all kinds of things that I've now, uh, that I've worked through. And I feel really good about where I'm at. I love it. I love it. How is Kay? Oh, God, she's fantastic. Um, it took us a while to, um, and I, I felt, I was, I, I took the blame. I said, I put you. No, you guys did it together. You were married. We did. She didn't know either. We did, but I, but that was me. You know, I had that kind of guilt and, and she's such an incredibly dynamic, kind person. Um, and, and now I, from what I see, and we both have really, it's hard to say this now, but we look at it like it's one of the best things that ever happened to us. Yeah. Now, it was course, a blessing. 12 yeah. years ago today, <laughs> when, that, when they knocked on the door, I, <laughs> if you would have interviewed me then, I'd probably, I, uh, probably not. But I mean, we, every morning we, we do kind of an hour of power thing and, and we write in our journals and we talk Wow. And, we work out, and we have just this whole great morning process, but she's a fantastic mother. And we have a 17 year old, a, a 14 year old, and a 10 year old. And, Wow. She's just a dynamic, fantastic mother involved with school. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible. You've become a completely different person. How interesting Absolutely. to see that. That is fabulous. All right. Now I'm going to ask you kind of a strange question, but I don't know why I'm <laughs> going to ask you this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Might not be the first time. <laughs> any, uh, have you gotten any signs from grandma and grandpa? Oh yeah. That's cool. I love that question. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually, I think, taking them in better now than I used to. I think I notice things. Right. The more, more you do it, the right, the, the more you do yeah, it. The, yeah. The whole meditation, right? Slowing yeah. down your mind and everything. Yeah. There's times where I've I've walked into my garage and I've smelt their garage. Just oh. that that and I you remember that as a boy. Yeah. Growing yeah. Up mm -hmm. You know, that smell. Or um I've had dreams about Graham. I don't dream about I don't dream about my father, but I have dreams about Graham where she's just smiling at me, happy as ever. And I love that because my grandkids call me Graham. 
And that's what you <laughs> called your great. That's what you called your grandma. You called her grandma. Gramps. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hold up the book again so people oh, can sure. see it. Sure you guys, yeah. you got to get this. It's a good read. Unlikely Felon. What's been the response? This came out. How long? It hasn't been out. How, how long has it been out? About a year. It's okay. Been out for, well, less a year, but yeah, it's been great. I have uh, the, the the most powerful thing. I mean, there's lots of good reviews. I think there's 45 reviews, positive reviews on on uh, Amazon. But wow, the, the emails I've received and just people to me, even our local community, that they're like, I'm I'm having to deal with this stuff. And I read your book and it actually helped me. I went and saw an attorney, which nice. I wasn't going to do. Or I had somebody email me um, from Ohio and she said our whole family got together on Sunday with her mother and father. And we talked about all this stuff. And I had your book there. And I said, this is wow. what we want to try to avoid. Absolutely. So oh, that my gosh. To me is the, the power of of what um, what this book maybe can do. Right. You guys, his website is unlikelyfelon.com. That's the same name as the book. Well, it's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you. I, I appreciate everything you're doing and your thank you. your journey and your spirituality and it comes across and everything you do. So thank you. Oh, so God bless. God bless. All right, you guys, you got to pick up the book. This is Nancy Herald. This is High Road to Humanity. You guys got to check out uh, the series I'm doing. I'm teaching everybody how to tap into their own abilities. So everybody check it out. I'll do another video this week. Go to my website, nancyherald.com. Again, thank you, um, Will Young, and everybody have a terrific week. This is High Road to Humanity, and God bless.